to Booze Calls. Hey, back listeners, we're back. Yes, Campbell, um, long time no see. Right, it's not like we recorded our last episode two days less ago. than 48 hours ago. Yes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, anything, anything fun happened since I've seen you last? Actually, yes. So yesterday was one of my work friend's uh, birthday. Um, and so uh, I, this is my first time learning about this, but apparently it's a thing. Um, there's a highway in Virginia called Route 151 um, that mm-hmm. like in this area has a lot of like breweries, wineries, um, like vineyards, distilleries, etc. along it. Um, so we basically just like road tripped down the highway and hit up a couple of, um, we hit up a meadery. Uh, we went to a... No, I'm not remembering. We went to a brewery, we went to a meadery, and we went to, I think, just a regular, like, bar place. I forget what it was called. Um, but it was really cool. It was fun. Nice. Uh, we got a lot of really fun drinks. I got to try some new meads, uh, some of which were really, really good. There was this cranberry one. Mead that was is so delicious. underrated. Oh, yeah. There was there was a coffee mead. Um, it was called Smartass. And Nectar was... Creek, they they used to make a coffee mead. I think like the two towns, the cider that owns them now. I yeah. think that's one of the ones they like brought back. But yeah, yeah, it was so good because yeah, it had a very strong coffee flavor and smell, but it had all the lightness of a mead, um, and it wasn't super bitter because there was a lot of sweetness. But the bitter also didn't the bitterness also didn't make it too sweet. It was really nice. But yeah, nice. But now we're back. But now we are back. The podcast. Yes. Um, And we're going to get into it with our returning musical term segment. Award-winning segment. Called, and I also did not think of one beforehand. So it's going to be Mother Mary's Musical Mayhem. Okay. Interesting. I don't. Do it. Listen. Okay. Um, the term for today is aria, which is a self-contained piece for a solo voice that's usually accompanied by an orchestra. So this would usually appear during a pause in the dramatic action of a musical, um, usually an opera, when a character is like reflecting on their emotions. So you'll see them most often in operas and operetta, uh, pieces, um, but in some other musicals, um, especially sung through musicals, there might be um, a piece that is considered an aria within the work. You took that Ooh. like a champ. Uh. Your face didn't show that, but like from an audio perspective, <laughs> like I don't. Thank you. Yeah, I, th- I think I that's great. I think the listeners are going to be like, wait, did she take a shot? Yes, listeners, she did. Mm. She may and have had a stink I... face, but she spoke so eloquently. Thank you, thank you. And I took a shot of this um, Myers rum, which is a Jamaican rum. It's their original dark, um, which is important because for the drink for today, um, for I the test- <laughs> yeah, for uh, we'll, we'll get to it in a second. But for the drink <laughs> <laughs> for the drink for today, um, I had tested it out. It's a rum drink. I tested it out using Captain Morgan's rum, which is fairly light colored spiced rum. And then I got this dark rum, which changed the color of it dramatically. Um, so show me, show me a drink. That's swampy. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, it is. So 
let's talk about this drink. So the drink for today, I am, I, I think, calling the High Seas Cocktail. So this is a twist on a salty dog cocktail, which is typically a rum, like a grapefruit juice, um, a like saline solution, and sometimes like a syrup is added to kind of balance it out. So ours is rum, lemon and pineapple juice, blue curacao, uh, the saline solution, and a spiced rosemary syrup. And the proportions um, are based off of the daily ration allotment of rum to British sailors in the 1800s. Um, so, and how does this relate to our musical? What yes. is the musical? <laughs> so, the musical for today is the HMS Pinafore, or The Last That Loved the Sailor, which is a two act comic opera by Gilbert and Sullivan, um, which is their fourth collab and their first like international sensation as a musical. Um, so, the cocktail was inspired by today's musical. Um, obviously in like the, the naming and the kind of idea behind it, but also in that it uses two and a half ounces of rum. And that is approximately 71 milliliters or one eighth of an imperial pint, which in 1878, when the musical was made, would have been the tot of rum that was uh, allotted to the British sailors every day. Um, that they usually That's used to fun. make grog. But yeah, fun little And we've had fun grog before. We have had grog before, so I was thinking of like, Delicious. what else could I do, like yeah. using that sort of idea. Yeah. yeah. So, and I'm thus, really excited. Thus, this uh, cocktail was born. So, cheers. cheers. Let's try it out. Yours is I'm the very... beautiful, the beautiful teal color that it's supposed to be. <laughs> Mine will be the picture everyone sees on this. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm very interested in this, especially the spices just smelled so good together. But mm. I don't necessarily equate those with some of the citrusy stuff going on. Mm. And I don't think I've had a drink with like saline solution. I haven't either. But when I made this, like, I really liked it. So we'll see how you think. What would you right, think about cheers. it? Cheers. Oh, that's interesting. Interesting is kind of what I was going for. Like a balance of obviously it's... salty. It's like giving me Gatorade vibes in a good way. Doesn't it kind of? Because the, the salt is like electrolytes. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it almost feels like the sensation for me is like when you're drinking water with like a liquid IV pack in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you said the high seas? The high seas, yes. So the color, um, I was going to originally name it like the salty seas or something, but I wanted to name it more after just the ocean itself. Um, yeah, since that's kind of it's what the definitely taste... ocean vibes. Exactly. It almost, it tastes like a better version of drinking ocean water in my opinion. <laughs> Which, you know what? Maybe a low bar, but you did it. Congrats. I'm proud Thank of you. you. Congratulations to myself. Um, but also the color, uh, which you'll yeah. see in Campbell's drink uh, picture on the Instagram. <laughs> Why'd you want to do HMS Pinafore? Um, so it's one of those classic musicals that you hear about a lot. I had heard some of the music from it growing up and also on some of the shows that I liked. If you've ever seen West Wing, uh, they sing some of the songs in there. Um, and I was just really curious about it, especially after we watched Pirates of Penzance. I was like, Gilbert and Sullivan seem really cool. So let's watch oh, more. Pirates of Penzance was like su such a treat. It was. And for our, think... as much as we like know about like generally like a bunch of stuff, I just didn't think it was going to be like that funny. 
Honestly, and I really didn't, I grew up going to some operas, um, but they were more like fan of the opera, that type of stuff. Um, and I hadn't really seen like these like older, like truly classic ones. Um, yeah. And the Asian Miss Pinafore has some really cool history. So it was opened or it opened at the Opera Comique, I think, in London on the 25th of May in 1878. Um, and at the time of its release, it was the second longest running uh, theater piece, and it ran with 571 performances in its, in its initial run um, on the theater. And that included like uh, performances at like the Imperial theaters all over Britain. Um, it was extraordinarily popular in Britain and America, which actually led to it having a lot of unlicensed versions of itself um, performed in America, which was interesting. Um, but it I love that everyone pirated music forever. Everyone, yeah. And um, they actually tried to sue uh, for, like, copyright and uh, to, like, get royalties and had, like, no success. Is this, is this the Napster of 1800s? Are <laughs> 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 Gilbert and Sullivan uh, Metallica? It was Metallica that, like, started yeah. the Napster suits. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I just think it's just in the true American spirit, <laughs> honestly, yeah. uh, to steal from the British. And uh, as a result, it had a, the musical um, and there are other works of Gilbert and Sullivan, Pirates of Penzance, um, and all of the other Savoy operas uh, had a great influence on the development of like other modern musical theater. Um, so just interesting to see, you know, some of the roots of the media that we enjoy today. Yeah. And the specific version that we watched is yes. actually a TV movie in 1982. That's part of the Gilbert and Sullivan Brent Walker collection. And so this like series of TV movies, there are 12 of them. Mm-hmm. Um, Patience, The Sorcerer, The Gondoliers, Pirates of Penzance, The Yemen of the Guard, Trial by Jury, Cox and Box, HMS Pinafore, Ireland, uh, Princess Ida, Redigor, and The Mikado. Um, just like a series of TV movies based off of their works yeah. in the, I think mostly the 80s. Um, yeah. But this one is 1982, and it's right now it's free on YouTube. That's so, how we watched it. So yeah, and it's only it an hour out. and a half. So if you yeah. if you're interested, definitely go check it out. Um, interestingly enough, even though the musical itself was super popular, this was the least popular of all of their all of their runs that they did during that production, like the that the Brent Walker Company did, um, which is interesting parallel, um, well, not parallel, but juxtaposition. Um, Something's really cool about these TV movies is that they kind of have a host that gives some of the history. Oh yeah as well and so kind of like the host the narrator for like those just between each of the acts um is douglas fairbanks jr um who's very accomplished actor notable person he's been over a hundred movies and tv shows uh son of a very famous actor um i i just thought it was really cool the little uh piece of like information that we like you know learn about more of the history and the context of this piece it was fun yeah. it was very like pbs special and i liked it that's fair it was it was kind of nice being able to hear hear about the history there um and also just like making these musicals like especially from from the time that this was created it would only have been available to those who could pay to go see it in the theater um so really cool to make it accessible to a wider audience yeah and 
one of the biggest things Raven and I are about are making musicals accessible. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, um, like I said, it's on YouTube for free. Um, so we start off with the op- overture. Um, mm-hmm. We it's like going through like opening credits, um, and we hear some of the motifs that we'll be uh, hearing throughout the musical. And I really like all these types of, like the overture, the like the entreacte that comes at the end of the intermission and stuff. Um, I really like having these sort of just score pieces. Um, because they're always like, it's super upbeat, it's really fun, um, it kind of just gets you in the mood for watching a fun show. Um, so we see the ship is preparing for departure, all the sailors are coming on board, um, a variety of like people that are going to be involved in like traveling on on the ship or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, and we get into the song, We Sailed the Ocean Blue, where all of the sailors are, you know, spiffing up the ship. Uh, preparing it for like preparing the mass, all the I don't know, boating terms. Um, <laughs> could have fooled me. I think the company could have used a bit more time with the choreography, but I applaud the effort. I disagree. I think I see, I thought that at first, mm-hmm. but this work, and we hear uh, from uh, Douglas Fairbanks Jr., that's this work is just like kind of mocking some high profile people in the British Navy. And a mm-hmm. lot of their works uh, are just like so satirical. Yeah. I think there was like an air of like not taking it seriously in a professional way is yeah. what like a vibe I got throughout this, especially with a lot of the, um, you know, call and response that we see a lot in, like, their works, that it was just, at first I was, I did think it was a little sloppy, but now when I got, like, fully into, like, the the vibe of it, with the context of it, I was just just like, oh, I'm into it. I get you, I get you, and I do like the general vibe that they have of, like, without anyone hitting each other. Yeah, and I do like the kind of vibe that they have throughout the musical of like poking fun at the British Navy and like all of that stuff. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I get what you mean now. I can, they I can all commit to the bit so well. I think the ensemble yeah. is incredible. Oh, absolutely. But it does take some warming up to get to, especially from this first scene, especially when you're expecting, like, yes, it is like a comedic opera, but like mm-hmm. you still have like expectations, some of, some like... expectations of like opera. Yeah. But I think between this and Pirates and Penzance, though, it's really, like, have changed what, how I view operas. It's not just, like, opera glasses, like, ha, ha, ha. Sometimes it's just, like, dumb shit. Yeah. It's, like, it's... Sung it's, beautifully. It's truly just, yeah, it's truly just entertainment. And, like, like you said earlier, like, everyone is good at their jobs, but they're not taking, like, it, they're having fun, you know? Like, they're not really taking yeah. themselves too seriously. But, again, like you said, like, they are really talented, like... And something that I love about an opera, especially from, like, this time, as opposed to necessarily watching, like, a musical, is that I feel like you have guaranteed good vocal performances. Like, the the vocal performances throughout this, uh, throughout this musical are stellar, obviously. And there are some that, like, rise above others because of the, the nature of the obviously. piece or moments that rise above others. Um, but... There's no moment in the musical where I'm just like, 
oh, I don't, like, they sound bad, you know? Which is interesting, because a lot of people had complaints about a particular actor. They were like, he's a comedian, he doesn't sing, and you can tell. And I'm just like, maybe I'm just not Maybe I just have an untrained ear. But... I, which, Raven, we do. Fair. But it's just like, I still thought it was good. I thought it was in character. Yeah. And, like, not to disparage any forms and productions and mediums of entertainment but this is like a tv movie yeah (laughs) (laughs) there's like uh two two sets the cabin and then the quarter deck like on the deck and that's that's it that's it and then just a couple of fun angles (laughs) and i i do really like also how there's a lot of times that they sort of break the fourth wall intentionally and have characters look directly at the camera or look directly, and in this case, at the audience. And I like that because I think it does bring in more of the vibe of being in a real theater watching an opera um, where, like, they they might actually say lines directed towards the audience or, like, um, they, in in many cases, would be cheating out intentionally towards the audience. Um, And that's part of the fun of going to the theater that's part of the fun of like an opera or a play like this is that you are there in the room with the actors and there's that sense of connection and engagement um so i do like that they try to incorporate that a bit with the tv production specifically in literature that's called metalepsis Ooh, fun love to learn a new word what'd you think of we all say the ocean blue it seemed like a just a typical not typical but it just seemed like a like more standard like sailor song sea shanty related thing yeah it felt very like jaunty um, yeah it felt very jaunty that is a good word just um do 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 uh very fun very upbeat um i liked it i like i like listening to it a lot of the songs in here like kind of got stuck in my head um and this was Mm -hmm. definitely one of them um and i think it also establishes the the character of the HMS Pinafore crew and also the character of what the show is going to be like, of just like, this isn't, this particular piece isn't necessarily comedic inherently, but it's very like lighthearted, very, yeah. yeah. Um, and so then we get into Hail Men of, men of Wars Men. Um, it, I'm, uh, and then the song I'm Called Little Buttercup, they're kind of paired together. Um, and we're introduced to the character Buttercup, who is a dockside vendor. She's great. Love her. She's great. Lo- no, she is not just Buttercup. She's she's Little Buttercup. Forever. Little Buttercup, yes. <laughs> she is so much fun. She is played by Del Jones, who's also been in a bunch of other like performances like this. Candy, Julie Caesar, The Yemen of the Guard. And she wasn't she was i think my favorite in this mm. she I was, thought she was so much fun yeah she's, she's just she like oh a characters. little me like what a song to be telling other people was like this is what they call me i guess i'm like this and i'm like hell yeah yeah and it's <laughs> funny because like buttercup is such like a little dainty like flower um but Poor she little is, buttercup she is a big and brassy woman and i love her and she knows what she's about and she knows how to how to stir shit up this was a siren's call she, everyone <laughs> is in love with her and i'm like you know what same mm-hmm. um she even gets them to carry her shit around um and she introduces herself uh she's selling all of her wares um and i do think it's interesting like i said with the the 
juxtaposition of her i say that a lot i guess the antithesis really of her name and her character it's sort of like mm-hmm. the ship itself um so the pinafore is for anyone that doesn't know is like a garment that is worn by like women and girls um during this time period of the 1800s it's um, kind of it like gets... an ape, like a sleeveless like apron kind of thing with like frills along like, yeah the hems yeah, picture like Pride and Prejudice type of yeah. covering on a dress. Um, and so, and yet the HMS Pinafore is like a naval warship, you know? Um, <laughs> so uh, just the juxtaposition, again, like kind of poking fun a little bit at the Royal Navy and um, those types of things. Um, so we find out Buttercup's got a secret that she's going to reveal later on. And ooh boy, howdy, does she? Um, and then we meet a interesting character named dick deadeye um who looks like patchy the pirate from spongebob (laughs) yes he does um he also has a sort of hump in his back um which is teleportation abilities (laughs) this man is always somewhere you never know how he got there um (laughs) played by alan watt he's he was also in the gondoliers trials by jury at the proms and like tv movies like that he does such a great job. He's so fun. So he's he's the character that's like the not good looking sailor. And he's just like, I'm ugly and they all hate me for it. And I know that. And it's it's what it is. You know, that's my lot in life. Um, and the the bot, the boatswain is, is even just like, well, I mean, your name's Dick Deadeye. Like, what did you expect? Did you think we're all going to be <laughs> friends, friends with you? And it's just like, okay, goddamn y'all. Um, yeah, and then he is played uh, by Gordon Sanderson, um, who's also in Carmen La Trevieta. Um, but dick dead eye it was so funny he's like y'all hate me don't ya and they like don't say yes they're just like he, he's just like has such a complex but they also don't say no <laughs> okay so he, they should be like given into his pleading oh my he's gosh. a pick me <laughs> um so we get into the song but tell me who's the youth um which is basically Little Buttercup talking to the boatswain, talk, uh, asking like, "Oh, who's that fine-looking guy over there?" Uh, who's that fine about... piece of meat? <laughs> talking about Ralph, who is apparently the is best. It pr- is it pronounced Ralph or? Oh, it's Rafe. pronounced like Rafe. Rafe, Sorry. like Rafe it's spelled Ralph. like Voldemort. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's 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 pronounced Rafe. You are correct. My bad. Um, who is apparently the best, uh, like smartest sailor on the crew? Um, looks the best and is fantastic at his job. Um, yeah, played by Michael Bullman. Yeah. He has a wonderful voice, which we hear Great. in The Nightingale. Um, this is such a tender piece. I love Everyone's it. in love with him. I thought everyone was in love with Buttercup. And then you see all the sailors, like, fawning yeah yeah fawning is the, swooning is the it's, it's actually it's giving in pirates of penzance um the all the women uh on the beach but like it's the sailors yeah yeah um so i love the backing from the chorus but we learned that he's in love with a woman who is above his station um and that's of course tragic because we're in 1800s britain um and social station is everything which is also kind of one of the big points of the HMS Pinafore, uh, Gilbert and Sullivan were really trying to sort of, again, poke fun at that, but also uh, point out like the ridiculousness of the rigid class structure that was like a feature of British society at the time. 
So uh, that was the, the song The Nightingale is when he's uh, explaining all of that. And it's uh, a more solo piece with him. Not solo, but like uh, leading. He's leading the piece and yeah. then the chorus is backing him. And I love the the play back and forth. Um, and anytime the chorus comes in in this entire musical, just the melding of all the voices, like it just always sounds so beautiful. But especially here because of like the nature of the piece, it's very like like lullaby almost i think like just yeah. the, the way um how gentle their voices are kind of uh following up with the nightingale which i think f- is very fitting with the name of the piece um yeah, but then we so find th- out more in a maiden fair to see and the woman he's pining after is the captain's daughter Mm-hmm. and this one is fun because it has a sort of waltz feel to it but i think it's actually like a four count maybe so i'm wondering if it's like six hmm. eight or like nine twelve time like i could because yeah. it didn't feel like it was in like three like a three, three step yeah time um but yeah i really i really like this one it's or the, the song it's fun um so basically they all tell him like you've got no chance uh you can't get the captain's <laughs> daughter uh i i don't know what you're expecting to happen here dude um and then we see the captain. He comes out to greet his crew. Incredible. Incredible actor. And <laughs> he... I love his little dances. Yes. <laughs> just to put it like that. He's just uh, very unworthy. He's played I, by Peter Marshall and um, Captain uh, Corcoran. But he was also in a musical we've done before. Oh, Lord. Was he? Do you have any idea? Okay, what was it? Pirates of Penzance? It was around the same. No, it was around the same time period, though. As like this movie came out. Oh Lord, that's requiring me to remember the older ones that we've done. Um. Oh, was it Camelot? No, that's not this one. No. Okay. It was Annie. And was he the? He was Bert and Annie. Um, but he's also the he was the host of Hollywood Squares. Oh, that's fun. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I really like him in this. I feel like he does a good job. Like he understood the assignment with this character, and he's yeah. very silly, very, um, v- but very like haughty at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so and, yeah. So, this so we song, get to the song. My- my gallant crew good morning and small talk the song and it's great <laughs> um th- yeah this is a really fun song i really like the melody and like the rhythm of it um and all the parts where he's just like yeah and i he's like i am the captain of this ship and i am great i never get sea, or i'm the captain of the pinafore i'm great i never get seasick and they're like what never and he's like well hardly ever and they're like okay so you hardly ever get seasick and he's like yeah and i'm i'm the peak gentleman i never use bad language which becomes a recurring thing um of like the expected conduct of an officer um and they're again like the what never will hardly ever sort of refrain uh repeats a Mm -hmm. lot in the musical um but then the sailors all go away and we get into the song sir you're sad or you are sad um (laughs) by little buttercup um (laughs) she won you got issues um but also he's just like yeah 
my daughter Josephine has a marriage offer that she doesn't want to accept. It's from Sir Joseph. He's the first Lord of the Admiralty. Um, and I just don't understand why she won't accept this um, proposal, basically, this offer um, from, you know, presumably an auspicious, an auspicious match. Um, and Buttercup is just like, well, you know, maybe she just don't like him. And honestly, I relate because she was like, I was in a relationship this one time with this one dude that I didn't really like, and it sucks. So just like, let the girl be. Um, love Buttercup. She's great. <laughs> um, so then we cut over to Josephine and we hear the song, Sorry Her Lot Who Loves Too Well. And this is actually an aria. Cheers. Cheers. Um, so this is an aria. Basically, Josephine is talking about her hesitations in wanting to, like, in in the proposal that she got from Sir Joseph. Um, and I think it's interesting that this is our introduction to Josephine. Um, we the first time we even see her on on screen like there's no other characterization of her it's just her singing about this dude and whether or not she wants to marry him um and she's actually already dressed in like a dress that today looks like a wedding gown i do believe this is like sort of victorian era which is when the white wedding gown thing started because of queen victoria mm. um so this dress to me looks like a marrying dress but it might not be the case. Um, but this song is beautiful. Um, her voice is really f like almost fluty and bird-like. It kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Joanna in Sweeney Todd. Mm -hmm. um, she doesn't go quite as high. Um, the range doesn't go quite as high for her songs, but it's still sort of that more ethereal like fluty sort of uh vibe to it i guess yeah um yeah. and so she's played by meryl drower and i couldn't find other like uh tv movie credits but i mm. did find some of um other performances of her um especially roles that she had on stage in scotland specifically um, she was in Silken Ladder in 1984, uh, Can We All Deal Matrimonio in 1984, and in 1982 she was also in Midsummer's Night's Dream as Titania, which is a big role. Fun. Midsummer um, Night's Dream used to be like my favorite play. I see that for you. Um, is it <laughs> your favorite play now still in the Shakespeare sense, uh, sense uh, Twelfth Night? You give me Twelfth Night energy. I do... I do love Twelfth Night. I also love Taming of the Shrew. Oh, you would. Yeah. And so, um, so then the captain comes in and says that Sir Joseph is on his way. Um, and she tells him like, Hey, I'm actually in love with one of your sailors. So we find out like, Oh, okay. So like Rafe's love might actually be requited. Um, which the crew didn't believe that it would be. Uh, but the captain is basically like, okay, well, I don't know what you're going to do here, but I think that you should go with Sir Joseph, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, and they actually cut, there used to be a song of reflect my child here. Um, that was cut 
I'm not sure if it was cut specifically from this production or if it was kind of cut out of the uh, performance in general. Um, and she's like, okay, well, like, you know, I'll be... I'll be good. Like, I understand my station. I'm not going to say anything. Um, mm-hmm. And he literally gives her uh, Sir Joseph's photo to, like, reflect Get on. her in the mood. <laughs> yeah, to get yeah, her in the mood. <laughs> she says, I, like, I have a heart, therefore I love, but I am your daughter, therefore I am proud. Kind of equating, um, at least right now, um, both the conflicting natures, but how she also, like, considered them pretty equal, like, yeah. her own emotions, but also her, like, status. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so then, uh, after she leaves, we hear the song, Over the Bright Blue, Over the Bright Blue Sea. And enters some of the best supported cast I have ever seen yes. in any production. <laughs> so these are the female relatives um, of... Of Sir uh, Joseph, the first lord of the Admiralty. Yes. And they were amazing. They are amazing. So, like, the main one, Cousin Heber, is played by Anne Mason, who is also in Top of the Heat, Simon Simon, when she died, when she died, Death of a Princess and King Priam. But these women are the sisters and cousins and, and aunts, aunts. <laughs> of, of uh, Sir Porter. And, and they're just, Lord, I don't, do they why are they, that? <laughs> why are they, why are they there? <laughs> I, okay, <laughs> so here's the thing. Here, at first, I thought, oh, He's, cause, especially because he kept talking about, uh, because Sir Joseph, when he gets here, he keeps talking about, like, oh, the sailors are all equal, like, they're everyone's equal, blah, 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 except to me, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. And then he asked to see the captain in his chamber, or in his quarters. So I thought, oh, maybe he's come here to hook all of his cousins up uh, with a marriage, you know? But then I'm just like, okay, but then, like, class and station and all of that stuff, like, surely there are, like, officers that he could be having his sisters and his cousins and his aunts mingle with. So maybe they're just here for like a vacation. I truly don't. It's unclear. Yeah. (laughs) They're here to be his hype men. (laughs) Yeah. But also they immediately betray him and integrate (laughs) themselves into this group. Yes. And so they like enter and we see some like interactions with the sailors. But then we also see Sir Joseph Porter, KCB, KCB standing for Knight Commander of the Bath, um, played by, yeah, Played by Frankie Howard, uh, he was a, was a very popular British comedian. Um, he's also been in Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band. He had his own variety show. He was on. Uh, funny thing happened on the way to the forum. Um, notable author. He had kind of like a very public like breakdown that he then like mm. wrote about later. Um, but very popular British comedian, and he is kind of like what the creator of this work are like really making fun of. And that is the first Lord, um, William Henry Smith. Yeah. Uh, who was like a book seller. He was a news agent, um, of his like family firm, WH Smith. Um, and he was elected member of parliament in 1868. And then he, then became first lord of the admiralty less than 10 years like afterwards who he was just like a politician he just worked yep. behind a desk he was yep. never on a ship never on a boat um in the mid 1880s he was also the secretary of state for war twice and the first lord of the treasury and leader of the house of commons among like other things so it's just like i don't i don't i don't know how <laughs> But I think what this 
a real fun message in this movie is, and they point out a lot, some people like luck in or given these positions and they're woefully unqualified and sometimes she's just gonna have to deal with it which sucks (laughs) and yeah and that and that's like a a recurring theme with like the idea of like the an accident of birth that's something that rafe actually says um later on uh and we'll talk about that when we get to that point um but similarly, we also see some of those themes with the captain, like when he's talking about like, um, oh, like sometimes basically, basically admitting actually that sometimes he's like sick at sea and yet he's the captain of this naval vessel, you know, um, and just those like little jibs and jabs at um, the people that are in power uh, within yeah. the system. Yeah. So we also have Sir Joseph's uh, barge, barge is seen. seen. And so his, like, female relatives are just having such fun time. They're, like, sitting on the, like, weaponry. Yeah. <laughs> like, the cannons and, and all of that, yeah. Um, they're just taking over the ship and having a, a fun time at it. And basically every time So Joseph says anything um, or asserts anything, they're just like, and so do his sisters and his cousins and his aunts. All of us. We always agree with everything that he says and everything that he believes all the time. Um but like solid, and it's so solid hype men, love it. Yes, um, it's great, and, hear... and I really like the the back and forth between like the sailor songs and their songs because yes. they're all they're all kind of like rapid succession, but they just like melded really well together. They did. Um, I also thought it was hilarious uh, the color guard's announcement of him uh, when he comes onto the ship. The dude just like squeals i don't even know how to replicate the sound that he made but it was it's like when bobby hill makes that like noise when he's like pops in from king the hill like Mm -hmm. pops through the door like surprise it's like "Ah, i I can't do it it's like you know know exactly what's kind of talking about yeah um so Uh, we also hear now give three cheers on the monarch of the sea which is basically so just bragging about how great he is um, and when I was a lad, which is when he recounts his uh, resume, basically, or his uh, curriculum vitae, his CV, um, to, to getting to this point, which is very similar, of course, to um, what was his name? The Lord Smith? Sir Smith? What was? Yeah. Yeah. I think William Henry. William Henry Smith. Yeah. W.H. Um, so, yeah, critically, this man's never spent a day at sea. Um, he went to Parliament and, quote, thought so little that they rewarded him as ruler of the Queen's Navy. Um, and I was like, you know what? That's um, that's on point. That's on the nose. I love it. Um, so he basically uh, starts to give the captain, like, this etiquette lesson of, like, this is how you should be an officer. You yeah. should treat your sailors. Um I really like the wordplay in these songs because he was talking about, like, his, like, rise to power. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, like, oh, yeah, when I was working, then I got junior partnership. And honestly, that's the only ship I've ever seen. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And then it's like, okay, no qualifications. Yeah, um, stick close to your desk. Uh, never uh, go to sea. And yet uh, you may be the ruler of the Queen's Navy. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um... So he makes the captain say, if you please, after all of his orders, because sailors are, of course, equal to captains, um, but not to first lords, apparently. They're all yeah. equal to each other, but but he's still above all of them. Um, so he yeah. goes through goes through all of this about how they're all equal, and then he has to see the captain, the captain in his quarters for like a, a private conversation. 
I really like when he's like addressing the crew um, because he also does notice Rafe particularly mm-hmm. seeing like an upstanding fellow and it's really funny they kind of do a back and forth like with this bit where they're like you sir you fine gentleman and then like dick approaches he's like no not you <laughs> get, get out of here <laughs> get out of here and he is he was like i can't play a uh, hornpipe and he's like no he's like every sailor should know that um and he says, it seems like your captain's really great. He has the respect of the crew, even though he doesn't deserve it. And it's just, like, everything he says about other people, like, he's, like, so overcompensated. He's projecting yeah. on everyone this entirety of the opera. Um, he's like, can you sing? He's like, I can hum a little bit. He's like, hum this. I composed it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so then we hear, uh, when the when the captain goes away with Sir Joseph... We hear for I hold or as the, as uh, Sir Joseph is going away, the captain um, gives the sailor an order, um, and we get into the song for I hold to that on the sea, uh, which is Sir Joseph like saying all of that, the like you need to say if you please and blah blah blah. Um, and then after they leave, the sailors all talk about this idea of like station and rank, um, and Rafe says, you know, like like Sir Joseph says, like we're all equal. So then why couldn't I? tell Josephine that I love her. Why couldn't I marry her and stuff if I'm, if I'm truly equal to the captain? And, um, so he decides that he's going to tell her and they're like, you know what? Sure. Go for it. We'll see how it works out for you. Including Sir Porter's relatives, his family. They're oh like, yeah. They're, yeah. they're fully like, on board. Isn't that the reason you're here? You're no here. pun intended. <laughs> fully yeah. on board. Uh, true. But um, and, yeah, in theory, you're here to watch your uh, your brother like or happy your cousin to be or your there. nephew. They're just having fun. They're just like you know yeah. what sailors, sailors all day every day. Uh, but you know yeah. what, girl, I get behind it. Yeah. So then we get to um, the song "A British Tar," which yeah. is what um, Sir Porter wrote, and yes. uh, "Tar" is nicknamed for like British sailors, and it's yeah. basically. This is like how Brit- all British sailors should be from the perspective of someone who knows nothing about anything. <laughs> yes. And it is just so funny. <laughs> yeah. But I find it interesting because originally when I was just looking through like the um, the song titles and stuff, I originally thought that this would be like an insult of British tar, especially when you see the name like uh, Refrain Audacious Tar. Um, but it actually was just a term for like uh, seamen or sailors of the merchant and, <laughs> <laughs> and of the merchant and royal navies. Um, and during World War One, actually, eventually became applied to American uh, sailors as well of the U.S. Navy. Um, but it wasn't like a pejorative term. It was just they just called each other this, and uh, like they just called themselves this. And I was like, that's interesting. Um, but this is the fun song they're just like yeah his like lip should curl and he should snarl and he should have like this fearsome face and and claws for hands and blah 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 um and they're all just having having a grand old time um yeah so then we see oh go ahead yeah i was gonna say and then we see conversations uh between josephine and the captain And he's like, oh, what'd you think? And he was like, he's gross, but, like, I know he's a great man. He told me himself. And it's just, you know what? Not about it, but, like, she does have conflicts with, like, her duty to, like, like her father. status and, like, her father and, like, yeah, 
Uh, it's just so unfortunate. And we see an interaction between Josephine um, and Rafe. Rafe. Yeah, because Rafe well, is like, I'm gonna convince, confess to her. Confess to her, yeah. And so she comes across him scrubbing the deck, and he basically tells her like, uh, you know, like, hey, I I held this in for a long time, but I, I really gotta tell you now, like, I I really love you, and I think that it doesn't have to like our station doesn't have to matter, and we can you know be happy and everything. And she and she's like, fully... get the fuck out of my face, you broke ass bitch. Yes, but <laughs> and then she would say to the audience, ah. Oh, she would have I these asides. So. Yeah, yeah, she would have these asides where she would talk about how, like, oh, she really loves him. Like, she's actually happy to hear him proposing, and oh, her heart is like quaking and all this stuff. And she's like, okay, but you're. She like really goes in on him, like fully rebuffs him. And she's like, how dare you think that you're on like, my level? <laughs> and he's like, I may lack an education and accomplishment, but. Death alone would, like, console me, like, from this. I'm just yeah. like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. He's like, uh, he's like, I may be poor and lonely, like, loneliness, but I'm rich in unrest because I have to express my love to you. Like, it's like when people say the worst thing they can say is no <laughs> and how dumb advice that is. Yeah, because clearly she can say a lot worse things than no. She can say... <sighs> People Why do you are not even creative. Think that you are capable of. <laughs> yeah. um, Let's take so that then... time now to go through how wrong you are. Like you're, uh, that was bad, and you should feel bad. Yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, so then we get into the song "Refrain Audacious Tar," which is her going in even more and just being like, "Get the fuck out of here! I don't know why you're even talking to me anymore." Um, and I think remember what you are, you scum. She, she literally <laughs> says, "Remember what you are." Like, oh my god. And not in the fun Mufasa way. Nope. <laughs> um, and then I think it's interesting though how they frame them. Um, so she's sort of up. I don't know. I don't think it's necessarily the poop deck, but it's like a level, a, a slight like step. Up. Up, a couple steps up from where he is um and so she's like physically standing on a higher level of the deck than him and there's Ooh. a refrain that they repeat that's like um where she's like what great love we could have basically if i uh if my station or if his station were higher or mine more lowly um and so seeing that seeing their their positioning uh their blocking sort of mirror that uh is really cool um yeah. you and speak I, and i obey it's my duty yeah, oh, he's so in love with her. Um, I do love how like the tempo and maybe even the key I think change um, when they sing like their true feelings. Like during the song, they keep going back and forth between like mm -hmm. the faster sort of uh, the faster paced um, mainframe where they're actually talking to each other and the and the thoughts they're expressing to each other, and then it goes to, like a slower, more solemn key when they mm -hmm. are expressing their more inner thoughts that are yeah it's really showing like that like that quick lie versus like the slow truth yeah one another yeah it's it's honestly really good like um stage play i think yeah um so then uh they kind of go their separate ways and we get into the finale so this is a kind of series of songs um it starts with rafe going to the crew and telling josephine that she rejected him with can i survive this overbearing um this is and... where dick is just everywhere <laughs> <laughs> here's my thing rafe is so like distraught 
literally a noose drops down and he threatens to like hang himself um, and everyone is just like okay they're like i get it <laughs> you know what dude you, <laughs> you know, know what I let's just it. let's just Relatable. all watch and sing around you as you do this yeah and so finally um josephine calls out that she loves him and she like jumps down off or jumps from the stage and they like carry her over to him um and she's like i love you like don't don't kill yourself uh we can be together rank doesn't uh this isn't a red flag to me at all um and we hear oh joy oh rapture unforeseen um of them like being in love together now everyone is so about it they're no one is at all concerned (laughs) no especially like the family members of like her betrothed um the only person that's concerned or like isn't about it is dick and yeah. he calls this an ill-assorted love. So you see, like, really with his character, in the beginning he's like, I'm ugly, I'm low status, everyone hates me. And people are just like, are you okay, guy? <laughs> and he's just like, nope, this is how the world is and how it should be. Oh, no, this won't work because of your, like, different, like, levels in society. Yeah. And so he's like, it's never going to work. Yeah, and, and he's really just like, why are y'all even doing this? Um, and they make they make plans to marry. Um, they're going to sneak, like, sneak ashore to do it. Yeah, they're going to try like a lope sneak off the ship. Um, and we hear three cheers for the sailor's bride um, and a reprise of a British tar. Um, so yeah, so they've made these plans to elope. They're going to sneak off the ship and like go get married. And Dick's not having any of it. No, and like everyone is like pretty good at keeping secrets, like except for Dick, of course, because he's yeah. just like oh, I don't want to see them happy. Yeah. But but that is the end of Act One. Yeah, and now we're going to get another drink and come back indeed, for indeed. Act Two. Do. Campbell, do you remember being back in like third grade and having like music class and learning to play the recorder and like hot cross buns? Fun fact. So, you know, I know a lot of wind instruments. I physically was Mm -hmm. not able to play the recorder. My teacher told me just to stand there at the concert. But yeah, I'm familiar with the concept. (laughs) That's so, that's so, that's so sad. It's okay. I can play the bassoon. I've gotten over it. I don't feel bad about it. That's fair, I suppose. Okay, well, we'll, we'll move on. Put a pin in that. Um, put, put a pin in that. Boop. Um, so, unfortunately enough, uh, there are students all across the country that have never before had a general music education class and don't have the ability or the opportunity to access music education um, and get the chance to learn tons of different wind instruments um, or even just the recorder. And that's why we are partnering with Education for Music, which is an organization that partners with low-income schools in New York City to provide students better access to music education. Also, 53% of New York City schools do not have a music teacher on faculty full-time. So Education Through Music also provides weekly music education by putting qualified music teachers into these schools. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the reasons this is so important is because motivation for learning means motivation for staying in school. And a lot of the students that are able to be involved in these music programs report that they have uh, attended school when they otherwise would have skipped um, or like stayed in school when they otherwise like wouldn't have wanted to stay specifically because they were looking forward to music class or they were looking forward to ensemble um, and, and getting to learn uh, specifically about music. 
And you can support and learn more at p2p.onecause.com slash boozicals. That's p2p.onecause.com slash boozicals. And help out. Do you have an instrument that you've neglected and now it hates you? Do you have too much money and think, hey, this can go to a good place? Neither applies to me, but I want to talk to you about the Daddario Foundation. They believe in the transformative power of music and that mentoring and building communities through music can positively affect social change. 100% of every dollar raised goes directly to support efforts to get kids involved in community music programs, acquire and maintain instruments, provide college scholarships, and support new innovation in music education. You can learn more and donate at www.dodariofoundation.org slash about slash donate. That's www.dodariofoundation.org slash about slash donate. Hey there, listeners. Pop quiz. Who was your favorite teacher in school? Did it happen to be someone who inspired a movie? Did that movie later change the world? Because that's exactly what happened with Mr. Holland's opus, the story of the profound effect a dedicated music teacher had on generations of students. The composer for the film, Michael Kamen, later started the Mr. Holland's Opus Foundation in 1996 as his commitment to the future of music education. Today, the foundation works with schools nationwide to audit their music education programs, supply quality instruments, train teachers on basic instrument repair, and even offer customized consulting to make sure the school's program fits their students' needs. The impact of this foundation now ensures that hundreds of thousands of kids across the country are granted access to learn and play music in school, keeping music education alive and well. If you're interested in supporting their mission, you can donate online, over the phone, or even while you shop Amazon or eBay. Visit mhopus.org slash donate to learn more. Cheers. Cheers. Clink. I Yours love is this that color. Beautiful teal color, and mine is the swampy ass green. Very, very, it's giving Shrek vibes, but you it like really Shrek, is. right? I do. The musical was interesting, but I do. <laughs> I need to watch that again because the travel song, Bop. Great. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, Act so. Two. So we hear the entr'acte. Um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I should probably look up how that's pronounced. But um, this is basically the, the overture for the second act. Um, so this is a nice waltzy piece. Um, and we see Little Buttercup like dancing around the deck at nighttime. It's fun. Little introduction. And she I, settles. Oh, go ahead. I really like, it's really interesting because it's very like simple set design. Yeah. You have the ship. And then you have a painted canvas backdrop. And mm-hmm. that's it. That's it. So then we get into Fair Moon to the Icing. We see the captain has come out um, and he's standing on like the raised level. Um, playing that a lute? Juts out. Yeah, that juts out over the deck. He's playing this lute and we hear, or we see Little Buttercup like kind of settle down on the steps um, and listen to him sing. And basically he's complaining about all the shit that's going on. Um, so he says like, oh, Rafe is threatening court-martialing because he's going after my daughter um and all this other stuff like how can josephine like be in love with him how am i going to make her marry sir joseph and blah 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 um so he's he's a bit forlorn um but i do like this song um i think i think his voice is not necessarily as operatic as um 
Josephine and Rafe's, but he definitely does fine as a solo performer. Like, I, I don't think his voice is bad by any means. Um, and we see that Buttercup actually likes the captain um, and kind of goes up to him and um, is, you know, try, trying to, like, uh, help help him feel better about, like, what's going on. Um, and it's like, you know, like, I, uh, like, expresses her feelings for him and he's basically like, oh, well, you know, I could never... Like in theory, I could like you. You know, you're you're great, but I I could never actually we could never actually be together because of rank. If only I were of a lower birth or something, um, then perhaps we could be together. Um, and then little Buttercup is talking about like, oh well, she can see the future. And here's my thing. I get, sure, we could say all we want about it was a different time, but we need to stop calling Romani people gypsies. Just, oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, and we and get I thought this, she was she was lying about seeing the future. I thought she was as well. We're, okay, we're just, just want to make sure. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and we're, we're so he's been, gotcha. He's yeah. like, yeah, and so basically we're like just friends. Cool, right? And she was like, oh, yeah, totally, totally cool. But... I'd watch out if I were you. I was like, oh my god, this got a little bit more sinister. Yeah. It's like, um, uh, there's going to be a big, like, switch in your life. And I'm like, okay, interesting. Taking yeah. note of that. Yeah, she's going to say... Little buttercup. <laughs> begin to the song, things are seldom what they seem. But she's just basically like, I've got a secret. And, you know, you're current situation might change in the future um and he's basically not worried um their their duet is my favorite so far um Mm -hmm. i think their voices sound really nice together i think they like meld very nicely together yeah um and so i actually i really like this piece um and it's just kind of them going back and forth uh talking about like more and more like improbable things um and and like crazy things going on um and she's trying to convince him you know well like you never know what the future's going to hold basically or what something could turn out to be yeah. yeah so then sir joseph shows up and is once again disappointed by josephine's continued not so much rejection of his proposal but yeah reluctance like hesitance to accept his proposal um and the captain's like, oh, well, maybe she's just, like, intimidated by the fact that you're of such a higher rank than her. Um, and, of course, he knows that she's in love with one of his sailors, and that's part of why she doesn't want to get married. Um, but, or part of why she doesn't want to marry him. Uh, but he's like, maybe if you just, like, assured her, assured her that you wouldn't, like, hold it against her, that she's of a, of a lower birth than you are. Um, and... So we get into, or or we kind of kind of cut away, and we see the hours creep on a pace, which is another aria. Cheers. Cheers. I thought this was interesting that because when they're walking around like kind of the deck, you also see kind of far off. You see like a painted lighthouse that they do have a light going on and off. Mm, yeah, that's interesting. So I guess they like cut out a hole in the like tarp. Yeah. I was just like, oh, that's nice. That's a nice that's fun. Little, a little attention to detail. That's cool. It's neat. Yeah. Um, so this aria is about Josephine. Uh, oh, you said it again. 
<laughs> Cheers. Josephine is debating basically which suitor to choose and how that's going to affect her her life and her future. Yeah. Um, so if she goes with Sir Joseph, you know, she has a life of like balls and uh, affluent socialite events and stuff like that in her future. Whereas if she goes with Rafe, like he's a common sailor and yes, she's going to actually love him and it'll be a relationship, like a marriage of love, but they will have more meager means than what she would have if she were to go mm -hmm. to Sir Joseph. Um, so I, so then, okay, so then she goes to meet the captain and Sir Joseph. This is fun. So she goes to meet them and Sir Joseph basically says this little bit about love levels all rank, right? Like, just, you know, I would never hold it against you that you're of a lower birth, that you are a humble captain's daughter. Um, and, you know, our love can conquer all, basically, which never mind me the fact that y'all aren't in love with each other. That's kind of the point. Yeah. <laughs> and she was like, nice, bet. So I guess that doesn't matter then. Thanks for solving my, my entire my problem. struggle. With Rafe, yeah. yeah. So she perceives this as his remark basically really... Pleaded his rival's case. Exactly. Um, it's saying like, oh, well, if love levels all rank, then surely it doesn't matter if I marry Rafe then. Um, so then we get into the song Never Mind the Why and Wherefore, which is just dramatic irony playing out so Loving the captain's little dances. Form. I love his little... He's just got his little, got his little jig going. Um, yeah. I, it's fun. I love this little piece, this little jaunt, um, jaunty tune, the three of them. Um, they, so the captain and so Joseph think they're celebrating the fact that like, oh, love levels all rank, so y'all are going to get married. This is cool. Um, Josephine is like, love levels all rank, so I'm going to marry Rafe. Um, and they are referencing, the captain and Sir Joseph are referencing uh, him marrying the humble captain's daughter. She's referencing the gallant captain's daughter marrying the humble British tar. Um, so it's really interesting how, again, the again Gilbert and Sullivan are illustrating kind of the ridiculousness of this idea of like rigid social classes. Like, yeah. like why is her station so high when it's compared to the sailor, but so low when compared to the first lord? And why does any of this matter in the first place? You know? Yeah. Um, so the song is a bop. It's stuck in my head still. Um, so then Josephine leaves to go to Rafe and the captain and, or Sir Joseph leaves, uh, believing that basically that they're engaged now. Um, and the captain runs into Dick and Dick is like, Hey, Dick's I got something beans. to tell you. Yeah. Um, and we get into kind captain. I've important information. Um, this is this song is so funny because I love it. it turned into a game of where Dick was going to pop out of. <laughs> I never saw him under the table. It was truly a game of whack-a-mole. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he tells the captain that like, hey, Raven and Josephine are planning to elope now. Um, and so... <laughs> He's like, okay, I will first, punish him. I will whip yeah, him. Yeah, like, I will whip him. So he grabs a flogger, kinky. Um, <laughs> where did he get that from? And then dresses up in this, like, giant cloak. And, like, and lo <laughs> <laughs> this is so funny. So he's just, like, standing on the deck. And now... Perfect Rafe disguise. 
perfect disguise. And now Rafe and Josephine are, along with like the entirety of the crew, everyone else, Sir Joseph's <laughs> sisters, cousins, and aunts, every single one of them, are all sneaking out together for them to go elope. And we get into the song carefully on tiptoe stealing, but. It was so, so funny. Every time, like, there would be comedic beats where he would take off the cloak and, like, whip the cat of nine tails. Yes. And there would be, like, what's that? Cloak goes back up. And then, like, Dick would pop out or uh, the captain would say, it was the cat. And so there's, yeah. apparently there's cat at sea um, that they <laughs> Actually, aren't... a lot of ships had cats to help That's control the rat, the rat population. And it was just so funny. It, like, keeps on happening. It was like, oh, it, was the, it must be the cat again <laughs> yeah um so he keeps he they, keeps confusing you see them this black sheet moving around them and they yeah. just like act like there's nothing there and it's Literally just really really well him. done it's everyone, like and it's everyone commits to it like all the actors and the performers and it's just this ensemble comedy. it's just really fun it just seems like they're having like a really really good time yeah performing this i i really enjoyed it um, and so we get into the song Pretty Daughter of Mine when the captain finally reveals himself and confronts them. Um, so he confronts Rafe and Josephine and he's like, how dare you, you know, like go and, um, go and, like go off and marry her. Like, where are you taking her? Like, where are y'all going? Blah, blah, blah. And she's like, well, you know, what truly is the problem? You know, like Sir Joseph said, like they're all equal. And after all, he is an Englishman. And we get into the song he is an Englishman. Um, and basically they're all trying to like defend him. Um, but the captain's not having any of it. And no. Ray finally is just like, well, I love her and I'm going to take her. And we're like, we're going to go get married. And the captain gets so angry that he finally says a swear. <gasps> and somehow Sir Joseph didn't hear anything that was going on up until this point, but he overhears this. He hears him yeah. say the word damn. He's like, what's the, what's the meaning of this? And then he finds out that it's like, oh, wait, the sailor wants to marry my bride. Yeah. And he's like, what? He's like, oh, I see well, again. First, oh. <laughs> well, first he sends the captain to his quarters. Like he like, he like sends him off to his room, like with no dinner, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then he asks Rafe, like, what is the meaning of this commotion? Um, and Rafe is just like, oh, uh, he swore because I was in, I told him I was in love with Josephine. And then, yeah. And again, I think one of the funniest bits and things with like Rafe and Dick, um, that's, uh, the Lord is like, lock him in the dungeon. Everyone immediately goes to put Dick in the dungeon. He's like, no, not him. <laughs> not him. He's fine. Um, and everyone's just like, well, we're not locking up Rafe. Um, so they finally, they get him arrested. And as everyone is singing, Farewell, we see in a, not quite. So we see in oh, a okay. side from Little Buttercup. Uh, wait, no, you're correct. I'm so sorry. Um, so we I see know. him arrested. I was just <laughs> waiting. For, I was just waiting to hear it. I was just like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna let her figure this out. <laughs> so how um, dare you? Listen, anyway. I'm listening. So we get into the song "Farewell, My Own," <laughs> and uh, Rafe. Um, so Joseph orders Rafe taken to the break. They're all singing about. Oh, like he's gonna be take it to the bridge, languishing away, yeah, in the dungeon. 
Um, I really love the chorus parts and all these ensemble pieces. They're so yeah. fun. Especially yeah. now that, like, the sisters and cousins and aunts are all, like, melded in to the crew chorus and, like, the com- combination of those higher and lower voices. Beautiful. Um, the composers are just really good at this, like, that whole, like, lyrical call and response. It's just, like, yes. really fun. Yes. Um, and it really functions a lot like a, a Greek chorus and, like, a classic mm, uh, Greek, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, Greek mm-hmm. play. Um, and it's just... Very fun. It's full camp. So then Little Buttercup uh, has her little aside to the audience where she's finally opening up about her secret. Secret now. (laughs) Yes. And so we get into a many years ago. (laughs) So many years ago, she was a baby farmer. (laughs) Yeah. So that's, do you know what the baby farmer was like in the context uh, a little like, bit. It's more the term that like yeah, is wild. Yes. It's, <laughs> but it's, go ahead. You know, like like a nanny. Like a lot yes. of times, like a nursemaid, and sometimes they would even like pseudo like adopt the children for like a certain like fee. So kind of like honestly, kind of similar to like fostering children. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But it's just, this is the point where I'm just like I I anyway. no longer know the ages of anyone. Yeah, because now we're implying that Rafe and the captain are the same age. Like, they were, yes. at the very least, under a year apart. Because um, the secret is that she was a baby farmer to mm-hmm. two young boys. Mm-hmm. And she thinks One she One who is the son up. of a well-born family. Um, the other who, like, we don't technically know the conditions of her birth, but he, he as a baby was of low condition, of, like, low constitution, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And so those two children babies were rafe and the captain so actually rafe should be captain which i don't get that point um and then the captain is honestly should just be a sailor yeah so now we know that rafe is is actually (laughs) of high birth and so i guess buttercup is messy i guess with the implication that rank in society is only a matter of birth, right? Like within yeah. like in within the universe of this rigid is it, class is structure. It, is it Calvinism? That's the like predestination. Predestination, yeah. They yeah. they truly believe in predestination. It's basically that uh, idea. Shout yeah, to Ms. Like... Richardson's World History <laughs> two class, freshman year of high school, fall two thousand eight. Campbell. Uh, you did it. Congrats. Applause for Campbell for remembering what that is. Thank you. <laughs> so, and... <laughs> Sir Porter is just like everyone needs to come back here, switch clothes, switch because clothes. we need to we need to get to the bottom of this. Yeah, so he has them. He has them switch uniforms, and yeah, I guess on the premise that like if the captain is truly only there because of birth, right? Like we know those like there's like those politicians. There's always those people that are where they are because their family put them there. Oh my god, this is two two Boozicles episodes in a row that we're talking about nepotism. Oh my god. Listen, (laughs) it is relevant. Um, So he, then he goes on this thing um, about, like, I think this is technically the song here, Take Her, Sir, but uh, Sir Joseph then goes on about, like, oh, well, like, love levels rank, but not quite that much. And straight up just hands are over. Just hands are over to Rafe. I'm kind of worked up. I, okay, but, like, this is the 1870s, but, like, the use and portrayal of women in this musical is insane. Um, In what way? 
so one, it utterly fails the Bechdel test. Um, <laughs> but like, there's there's literally two named women, and their only Three. concerns. Who's the third? The third is, and I said it, Raven, Cousin Heber, played by Anne oh, Mason. True. Cousin Heber is technically named, you're correct. Um, but she does <sighs> not interact with any of the other women. Neither do the other two named women interact with each other. And all of their <laughs> concerns, all of their concerns are about a man. <laughs> Um, like, like I said, uh, like the first time we even meet Josephine and the only times we hear her sing are about a man slash men. Ain't another man. Anyway, so Sir Joseph just hands her over to Rafe. Um, and then what's his face? The captain, go, uh, Corcoran. Not the captain. <laughs> not the captain. Sailor Corcoran, Seaman Corcoran. Um, takes up Buttercup, in, little Buttercup, into his arms, um, and both couples are now able to be okay. together. So at no point did I think little Buttercup was also, older than the captain. Let it, well, so oh, true. Okay, so if you think about Especially it, like, so much older, like like what, at least sixteen years older than yes. True. Okay, so like maybe honestly, eighteen hundreds. Honestly, maybe even Two. ten years older. Yeah. So, the captain and Rafe, same age. Never saw it coming. Mm-hmm. Um, Little Buttercup, older than the captain, the captain, didn't see it coming. Older than Rafe, maybe. I saw older than Rafe, but not by that much. Yes. Yeah. Um, the Sir Porter, obviously the oldest one there, because yes, he's clearly. a pedophile. And so then he marries his cousin. That's the happy ending. And so it's like, if you go back and really think about the sisters and cousins and aunts and why they're always like, yes, women, Mm. it's because they're trying to like secure their place. Place, yeah. I think. Especially this cousin is just like, I'm I'm going to get me a piece of that for (laughs) political gain. Yeah. Also, the thing that they don't really address now is that if... Corcoran is no longer the captain that means that Josephine is no longer a captain's daughter so if Rafe is now a captain then they still have a similar uh distinction and rank now but it doesn't matter anymore because no no no, no. it's not that woman. because they both were convinced it was like you know what that doesn't matter yeah, it, and so yeah. it was just a foil to oh, it matters. It's like actually, wait, no, it doesn't. Oh, tables are turned. Are they going to like but, fall back into these roles? And they're like, no, we're evolved from that. But no, 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 no. Because with um, the whole point was that with Sir Joseph, the whole point was that was that oh, he's the worst person out of everyone here. That he's a hypocrite when he's just like, oh, the captain here is like, oh, he's a good captain. Maybe if that's what people think, but oh, I don't see it. But okay, he's a no, no, no. I, I get it now because now <laughs> I understand Sir Joseph's um, statement of like love levels rank, but not quite as much as that. Now he was saying that in reference to the fact that Josephine is no longer the daughter of a captain; she's now the yeah. Daughter I could be. Singer. He's like I guess I I could be the captain's daughter. First. Oh, not captain's daughter anymore. Yeah, no, I I, I can't yeah, go that far. I gotcha. I gotcha. I misunderstood that at first. So. Now Here, take into, her, sir. A triple yeah, wedding, basically. Triple wedding. 
And uh, honestly, good for all the other sailors because those other sisters and aunts and cousins, like, I feel like everyone's finding love here. Everyone's honestly, just getting laid. Probably. Probably. Love a man in uniform. Um, so we get into the finale. Oh, joy, oh, rapture unforeseen, which is all the couples singing about how happy they are now that they can be with their uh, their loved one, their intended. Um, and everything's just kind of wrapping up nicely. Um, and we see them kind of, you know, the sun is setting and, and everything is happy. Fiend. It was just a it was just a fun time. It was a fun time. I, I really enjoyed it. Um it was only like an hour and a half, but it was a nice little story. It was cool. Um and then so we get into our little composer's corner over here. Raven's composing corner. Love Raven's it. corner. Um so the this was a Gilbert and Sullivan musical, so the music was by Sir Arthur Seymour Sullivan. And the libretto was by uh, Sir William Schwenk Gilbert. Uh, so if you want to hear more about them, you can listen Schwanky. to our <laughs> you can listen to our Pirates of Penzance uh, episode to hear more about them specifically. Um, but yeah, so uh, to give like a little more context on the musical in the background. So when it opened in 1878, Sullivan actually conducted uh, the orchestra, which I thought was really cool. It completed its initial run of 571 performances on the 20th of February, 1880. Um, and in that time, from 1878 to 1879, there were around 150 unauthorized productions that took place in the U.S., mostly Fantastic. in Boston, New York, and Philadelphia, which checks out, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, so interesting fact, uh, one of the Philadelphia productions that was done by the Gorman's Philadelphia Church Choir Company was actually orchestrated by John Philip Sousa, which I thought was real fun. That's real fun. Yeah. Um, so there were a lot of variations that included burlesque, gender swaps, spoofs, um, even all black and all Catholic productions. Right? Um, and there was even a variety of like foreign language versions of it produced, including Yiddish, which I thought was super fun. Love to see the accessibility. Um, and because of like all of these unauthorized productions, Gilbert and Sullivan and their producer, uh, Cart, actually tried to sue for like copyright and like royalties from all these performances with like no success. Um, and as a result, there's like an extensive list of errors in common scores for the musical because everyone was just like making all of their own versions. Mm-hmm. So if you go to the Gilbert and Sullivan like archive page, you can actually find a uh, index basically of all the errors um, that exist in some common scores and you can look up uh, in this type of score or like in the most popular scores what are all the errors and you, the music director has to go through and correct them all before they actually get to rehearsal which is kind of funny um, so it ran throughout Britain every year from 1878 to 1888 and then returned for tours in 1894, 1900, 1903, and 1940. So Gilbert actually directed all of the revivals until his death in 1911, after which their partner company, um, the Deloitte Cart, uh, 
theater company had exclusive rights until 1962. Um, so again, like this production that we watched was 1982 TV music production uh, by the Brent Walker Company um, or the Brent Walker Productions. And the orchestra was the London Symphony Orchestra, mm -hmm. which was conducted by Alexander Ferris. So really cool uh, production, really cool that they made it like more accessible for all types of audiences and that is available free on YouTube. So getting into our discussion question, um, I have an option again for you, two options. Uh, the first one, so in Joseph King of Dreams, um, we talked about how the songs were kind of just describing what was happening in the plot. Um, and in that sort of setting, it didn't really work. Um, but in this setting, that's very similar to how some of the lyrics are. A lot of the lyrics are like narrative or descriptive. Um, so when it's like compare and contrast a little bit, like does it work better here? Um, how does it compare to Joseph King of Dreams? And is it more likable or not likable? Um, or the alternative, do you think Little Buttercup was telling the truth? or making it up when she said that she had switched the captain and Wraith at birth. Oh, can we do both? I have a quick answer for the first one. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, for the first one, I think this does work better because I think that's like a pretty big difference between um, operas and what we said last episode, book musicals, um, is where in book musicals, there's a lot more non-musical um, dialogue. And so, like, I think it's intrinsic to operas to, like, kind of sing what's going on. But I think what also makes it more successful than Joseph King of the Dreams is because the lyrics are better. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I think if they're, like, more fun. Much and, more like, Yeah, a lot of times it's just like, yes, I'm singing what I'm doing. Um, but it is just, like, just, like, better dialogue. Yeah. No, I kind of agree. I think um, having the chorus in the opera is also a a very useful tool for the librettist um, in this case uh, because it makes sense that people would be talking about what's going on um, whereas in Joseph King of Dreams it was like the voice over music it was like the soundtrack that was singing what was happening and I think even in that movie they could have done a similar thing maybe still with better lyrics but they could have done a similar thing and achieved a better effect by just having actual people in the setting like speaking to him or speaking about like maybe even whispering behind his back with those lyrics instead, instead of, of like montaging the it. voice over yeah like being it yeah so i, I think yeah. that's a good point um but do you think buttercup was telling the truth i think she was making it up i think she just wanted because the captain actually said like if we were just if i were just of a lower station um and we have this opportunity or whatever like i would i would love you be, but as it stands like i think we better friends and i think she just wanted to get her man and and stir things up why do you think she said she had the secret before that interaction though <sighs> boom that's a good point i think it was true i thought it came everything after, in this was I thought like it came super ridiculous point. but no it's when i like little buttercup like her intro song to she like the rest of the crew yeah yeah uh but i also i don't know it just seems i think it's too fun she, I, well yeah because it's fiction but Fair. it's just <laughs> yeah yeah that's my answer 
Interesting. Interesting. Nice discussion. <laughs> Here are just a, a, like what I see to be objective answers. <laughs> I think you say I, yeah, sure. <laughs> I I still think she could have been making it up because like oh yeah, like, for sure. She seems like the she type of the character. Type. She seems like the type of character that just wants to like stir shit up, and I feel like I feel like she could have been meaning from the beginning to like introduce some wild card, but she had to like bide her time and figure out what the details were going to be, you know? Yeah. And then when she figured out, like, oh, I can get my man if I say this lie. I don't know. I don't believe her. But it was it was nice, and it wrapped up the, uh... Because, I don't know. Because they did the same thing in Pirates of Penzance, where that was a lie. But it fixed the situation. So. But they also openly said it was a lie. Mm-hmm. It's just a little too convenient for me. But anyway, so next we have our playtime. Campbell, what Fun fact, are we against playing? the composer's, honestly, best wishes, this is copyright-free now. So you will actually hear <laughs> a performance, a alcohol-induced mm-hmm. sight-reading performance of We Sail the Ocean Blue with Raven on the cello and myself on the clarinet. Fun, fun, fun. Uh, Be right back with the full audio. us to the end of this podcast Raven. how would you rate this on a scale of one to ten this musical this hms pinafore tv movie yes um okay so overall in terms of like the the physical musical itself honestly i want to give it like uh i think nine out of ten honestly it was really fun it was really entertaining um I didn't really have a whole lot of issues with it. The main issue that I had with it was what I mentioned about the choreography at the beginning. Um, but then, honestly, the like your perspective on that, I think, kind of challenged my perspective of it, like in the context of it yeah. being like a little more fun, a little more lighthearted, and kind of like specifically satirical. fun. Yeah, specifically intending to like satirize um, the Royal Navy and stuff like that. So. Yeah, I think I'm very happy with it. Vocal performances, fantastic. 
had fun the whole time. I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. Nice. For similar reasons, I think I'd give it an 8 out of 10. I don't think mm. any of the songs were particularly spectacular. Um, but, like, yeah, I didn't have a lot of, like, problems with this musical. It was, like, funny. Um, there were some times with... And that's just, like... M- something specific with me i just like bad at hearing things in general so if the subtitles aren't great then i have to like kind of pause look at the lyrics and be like oh okay gotcha um but it was also like a youtube video of a tv movie so there's just like who knows so with that i think i'd give it an eight out of ten but that brings us to the end Mm-hmm. And if you, you know, enjoyed what you heard or want to listen to us more or you want to share us with your friends, yeah, you're already listening to us, but what if they don't listen to podcasts the same way you do? What exactly. if they don't have Apple Podcasts because iPhones are stupid? Indeed they are. You can also listen to us wherever podcasts are found. Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Podbean, and if you listen to us and you like us, which we hope you do, uh, go ahead and like, like, rate, review us favorably wherever you listen, because that really helps getting our podcast to, like, the algorithms make us more visible to other yeah, people getting who maybe people see aren't listening to us, but may have similar interests in what we bring to offer. But if you you know have some issues some criticisms or you have some advice or would like to hear us talk about a certain musical or have some cocktail recommendations you can contact us at boozicals at gmail.com that's b-o-o-z-i-c-a-l-s at gmail.com or you can reach us at instagram at boozicals where we post of course all the resources to our nonprofits that we work mm-hmm. with all the recipes for these different cocktails that we have and just everything and i like to photoshop us into some fun things on my instagram as well for just some some visual interpretation of you know how raven and i feel and how the podcast episode went absolutely yeah Yeah, you should do all of that and catch us on the next episode bye-bye